Tyson, you talked about, and, and Sugar Hill has talked about, developing that one-punch uh, knockout power. You said exactly how the one last fight was going to go. Power. I went back and watched all the press conferences, and yeah. it went exactly how you said. So uh, is it going to be, in, in your anticipation, a, yeah. a one-punch knockout, or how do you yeah. see this third fight I'll tell you how I playing see it. out? And I gave me game plan away the first time because he wasn't good enough to do anything about it, and I'll do the same thing this time because he's not good enough to do anything about it. Deontay Wilder's a one-trick pony. He's got one-punch power. We all know that. Great. But what I'm going to do to Deontay Wilder this time is, is I'm going to run him over as if I'm an 18-wheeler and he's a human being. Um, and I guarantee you he does not go past where he did before. Because before I only had five or six weeks of practicing what I was going to do to him. This time I've had 18 months of practicing what I'm going to do to him. So I anticipate... It's going to be like an 18-wheeler running over somebody. And that's what you're going to see. I'm building my weight up. I'm trying to get up to 300 pounds for this fight. Um, yeah, because I'm looking for a big knockout straight away. I don't believe he's mentally, physically, or emotionally involved in this fight. I think he's doing it for the wrong reasons. And when people do things for the wrong reasons, they always end up, wind up getting hurt. So uh, we'll see on fight night if I'm a man to me word and if I can run him over quicker than round seven. And I think I do, for sure. Malik, I'm sure you guys were always confident because Deontay's plan was always to get this third fight no matter what was going to happen. So uh, if, if I could just ask you uh, one more time to respond to how Tyson Fury believes that this fight is going to go down based on what you guys have worked on. I, I'd imagine you say, no way. You asked me what do I think of Tyson's prediction? Yes. I think it's, it's just cliche. A fighter is supposed to think he's going to, especially he had a good night the last time. He had, he had his best night on Deontay Wilder's worst night. The stars just lined up for him. That's not going to be the same in the trilogy. All right. Um, he's not got any final comments that you'd like to make. Do you want to ask Deontay Wilder a question? I, I did try, but Deontay is going I'll to. answer it for him. It's fine. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay, you guys. Um, anything else, Malik, that you would like to say? No? Deontay, you're good? He's good? Anybody else? Any final comments here since this is the one and only press conference that we're going to have here, and then we get ready to... Uh, Take some photos here, and then you'll have to answer from the media. As Malik said, Wilder is a stubborn person, so he's got his own mentality and he wants to do things his own way. So to listen to other people is not, not what Deontay Wilder does. So no matter how much that Malik teaches Deontay, Deontay's going to do what Deontay's going to do. That's wrong. That's Deon wrong Deontay's going to do he's what he's going to do. He's been doing everything I've asked him and told him to do. Yeah, but like so, Mike Tyson said, mm -hmm. everyone's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, but you're talking about as far as training. He's doing everything Yeah, he can do that, more. but in the real fight I'm talking about, mm -hmm. he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to revert straight back to type, 100%. As soon as he hits him with the first right hand, he's going to see red and he's going to write, I'm going to take
take. He's had well, all Sugar Hill right. just said you're a one-punch knockout artist now, but there's no history of you knocking someone out with one punch. So that means when a fight gets started, are yeah, you going to go back He's going to go straight back to revert, 100%. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, you can't expect him to do something that you couldn't do. Like what? Not so, lock you out? Yeah, like that. Yeah, but me and you never fought, Tyson. You bust my eardrum when, when we I know, but we did spar, didn't we? And yeah, we know what two, happened there. You're a 260-pound man that can yeah. fight. You bust my eardrum exactly. the first time we sparred. That's not something to brag about. You can fight. That's what you do. I know, but like you can't teach him to be, to be some great fighter when you wasn't. Tyson, who's teaching him to be a great fighter? I'm adding on to everything that he do. Well, we were no, seeing no, no, the fight. No, 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 real quick. The real way quick. I see it is, right, he's got rid of Mark Breland because Mark Breland's a cheater, whatever he said. Mm -hmm. um, and he's employed you. I think you've been working with him for a long time. I'm not here to disrespect you or anything because mm -hmm. you're his trainer. You're not boxing. I'm not having a go at you. I'm just saying what I think at the moment. Like, everyone has this game plan of they're going to do something against me until they get in there. As we all know, because we've seen it so many times. Well, was but, Sugar Hill a great fighter that teaches you very well? No, he wasn't. But this is why, what I'm saying. So why would you say, how am I going to teach him and I wasn't a but great fighter? I don't, I don't believe that. You, you can teach him in the gym as much as you want. Right, right, right. But as soon as he gets in the ring, Deontay Wilder's got 43 But that's what we got the date He's going to do. That's, that's what we're going to see July 24th. Well, we will see, but I, mm -hmm. I'm going to state it here first. I'm going to stamp my claim mm -hmm. that he's going to be the same old Deontay Wilder we've always seen. You both um, see that. And that's that. So, yeah, just... Just because you both got your eardrums burst in there, sparring and fights, it is what it is. But I, I, I can't see him doing anything different. Maybe I'm wrong, but who knows? It doesn't you, matter. But, but see, listen to what I'm saying real quick. Say, say if you couldn't fight and you did that to me, yeah. that, I would feel like shit. I'm boxing Tyson Fury. The first day I boxed him, he bust my eardrum. Then I come back to box him again the next day. And then the next day it happened and I couldn't hear and I didn't, couldn't continue to box. That's nothing, Brad. This shit happens in boxing. Of course. That, so, of course. Why, but you're bringing that up as if no, like... you brought it up. You said I popped your eardrum. I didn't mention it. No, no, no. But you just said, well, if, if he's getting bust up in sparring or if he's getting bust up in a fight, that's on them. Yeah, but you bust my ear. It's okay, though, Ty. That's what happens yeah, in boxing. I didn't mention the ear You just did you at did. the end. You just did at you the did. end. You did. You started with the ear busting. I didn't mention it. Okay. But as we're on the, the topic of ear busting, <laughs> don't we find it funny that I busted both of these guys' eardrums? Trainer and fighter. <laughs> crazy. crazy. Statistics. <laughs> Tyson Sugarheel. I'm going to be aiming for Deontay Wilder's ears in the next fight. Burst, burst, burst. <laughs> The Fury Wilder trilogy fight undercard is coming together. And there's some decent bouts, it looks like. So there's going to be a Kaunaki Hellenius rematch, which I would definitely enjoy watching to see if Kaunaki can reverse what happened to him first time around. So that's intriguing. There's talks of FA Jagba versus Frank Sanchez. Again, very intriguing fight. I'd like to see that one. F.A. Jagbar, big strong guy, very powerful right hand, but robotic and upright, not much finesse there. Frank Sanchez, a slick, crafty Cuban, decent athletic ability, but clearly far older. 
than his stated age. I mean, this guy claims to be 27, 28. Add 10 years on and you'll be a lot closer to the truth, I would suggest. <laughs> but nonetheless, however old he is, he does have some ability there, Frank Sanchez. And given the experience he would have picked up, all those years in the amateurs, all those years sparring guys in Cuba and fighting guys, of course, he will have come across people of very similar dimensions and very similar ability to F.A. Jagba before in the ring. So he'll have a good idea of what to do and how to approach this fight. And yeah, I, I find it actually very interesting, this one. F.A. Jagba versus Frank Sanchez, I like it. F.A. Jagba, of course, is with uh, top rank now. Frank Sanchez, who's Frank Sanchez with? Is he with PBC? I want to say he's with PBC because this, of course, is a cross-network show. Well, a cross-promotional show in the sense that um, although it's top rank putting it on, it's Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury Wilder being a PBC guy, right? Robert Hellenius, I'm not sure who he's signed to. Is he signed to top rank? We know that Kaunaki, of course, is PBC. Jagba Sanchez. Yeah, so I'm liking the way the undercard is shaping up at the moment, especially since Jared Anderson is going to be on the undercard as well, apparently. And Jared Anderson is, at the moment, I would say, the most promising-looking American heavyweight prospect out there. Uh, very well-coordinated, fast, excellent jab, looks to have a good amount of power, very athletic. I mean, he literally fights like a middleweight. This is a heavyweight that fights like a middleweight in terms of his agility, dexterity, and so on. Obviously, he hasn't fought anybody of any note yet, but I'm very interested to see what a heavyweight with this kind of agility and dexterity coordination and so on can do as they step him up so yeah very much looking forward to seeing his next fight Jared Anderson let me know what you guys think in the comments below about the way this Fury Wilder trilogy fight undercard is shaping up typically in America when you've got a big main attraction a big main event the undercard is usually weak I mean we see that all the time with Canelo fights, truth be told, the undercard's usually weak. When Mayweather used to fight, a lot of the time, the undercards would be weak. But in this particular instance, you've got what looks to be the beginnings of quite a strong undercard. So that's definitely good to see. So as far as Kaunaki Hellenius, I think it's good that they have another intriguing heavyweight rematch on the undercard. You know, I like the old days, like, of the heavyweight nights, you know? Dylan White did that, of course, uh, several times, where he'd put loads of heavyweights on the undercard of his shows. Uh, Anthony Joshua's done it a few times, but going all the way back to the 1990s, there was big heavyweight shows and whatever. Uh, when Mike Tyson fought Evander Holyfield for the first time, that undercard was stacked with heavyweights. You had Michael Mora on there against Francois Bota. You had Alexander Zolkin against Henry Akin one day and may have been a few others. I think, uh, I forget if there was more heavyweights on the undercard, but certainly back in the 90s, you used to get stacked heavyweight cards with, you know, multiple big men bouts. And hopefully this turns out to be something similar. 
Again, Kaunaki Hellenius, Gerard Anderson, Ajagba Frank Sanchez. I'm liking the look of it. Let me know what you guys think about it below. This is Andy Purawa for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I am delighted to be joined by Stitch Duran over Zoom. Stitch, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. It was, uh, you know, I woke up this morning, you asked for a request and I try to give it, you know, as much as possible. So it's always good talking shop. Now, Stitch, listen, I appreciate you always giving up some time. I know you're a busy man. You're at a show every week. Um, you was meant to be at one, as we've just spoken off camera, in Miami. Um, that's obviously fallen through Tifimo Lopez, unfortunately, testing positive for COVID. Uh, we wish Tifimo the best and hopefully he gets back on his feet soon. But just firstly, your reaction to that? Uh, I thought it was a, a dumb move on his part, actually. You know, being at the level of competition that he's at, as big as a fight that he has, and you know, that he would have uh, took some precautions, uh, knowing that that is a possibility for anybody and everybody. Uh, I was supposed to be leaving today. Actually, I was supposed to be in the air right now as we speak uh, and uh, going up to Miami. And I was going to stay a couple extra days with my wife. And uh, but all that is down. And, uh, you know, I gave up the top rank shows uh, to go to Miami. But it uh, looks like I'm working those uh, here this Saturday. So all is lost, but some of it still still regained. At least you are able to, to get to some shows, well, one show this weekend, Stitch. Uh, as, as we spoke about over messaging, I tried to tie in with you over a couple of weeks uh, whilst I was out in Vegas, just wasn't able to do so. So I just want to kind of go back to those two shows before we come on to more recent events, starting off with what was a, a brilliant, a terrific fight between Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez for yeah. the undisputed crown at 140. Before we come on to your work in the corner of Josh Tyler Stitch, what did you make of the fight? Yeah, like you, I thought it was exceptional. You know, I, I was excited. And, you know, and the good thing about talking with you, Andy, is I can give you a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, right? And uh, which a lot of people don't get. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it was, uh, people thought that I was going to be working with Ramirez because we're both Mexicans. We both grew up in the San Joaquin Valley as farm workers. and uh, But that wasn't the case, you know, to the point where, uh, Ramirez's manager had called Top Rank and asked for my services. And when Top Rank called me, I said, well, you know, I've never worked with him. And uh, found out that Mike Basil, the other company that works with him. Uh, so that was kind of ironic. But yeah, working with Josh Taylor was a, a pretty awesome experience. You know, I talked to Ben Davidson and, you know, asked him if they had a cut man. And uh, he says, you know, I don't know. And I said, well, here's what Top Rank does. They offer our services to you guys that can't bring cut men. And turns out that... Uh, uh, Josh Taylor uh, and Ben asked for me to work with him. So it was fun. It was, it was a good work, a good guy. I mean, you know, he's as tough as nails and, you know, you just kind of, uh, those are the kind of guys I like, you know, and nice at the end. And I don't know if you remember at the end of the fight, but it gives me a hug and gives me a kiss, you know? Uh, so that's, that's why I do these type of fights, Andy, uh, not for the championship levels. Or I've done hundreds and hundreds of those. It's more of the characters. And I, I think we talked about that before and, and that's a good example. I mean, Stitch, it was a, a, an enthralling and an all-action-packed fight between the pair of them. Um, just firstly, just with Jose being dropped twice, the second one in particular was a heavy knockdown. Watching it from ringside from your position, was you surprised to see him get back up? And also, Kenny Bailey, the referee, coming in for some um, criticism on the back of the fight with regards to how long he allowed Jose to recover? 
Yeah, no, I, I wasn't surprised at all. You know, you know, he's a tough fighter. He's a Mexican fighter. And, you know, they go down on their shield. And uh, in this case, he wasn't ready to go down. So, no, I didn't expect that at all. And, yeah, you know, Kenny Bayless does what he does. And he's good at what he does. So, it was got a little scrappy. But you're going to get those type of moments when you have this type of fight, you know. And uh, so, uh, yeah. Like we say, he was in an all-action-packed fight. Working in the corner with Josh Stitch, were there any kind of – little issues you guys felt you had to overcome obviously I was watching it from a different position to yourself were there any cuts or whatever that you had Matt, that may have been concerned <laughs> any cuts you know it's funny he did have one right uh and you probably didn't know about it but yeah it was it, it was simple it was a basic cut you know and uh just you know so I worked on it and never became an issue Seeing him there in, in person, Stitch working with him after the fight, there's a lot of talk about what's next. Terence Crawford's name's been mentioned. What would be your thoughts if Josh moved up to 147 and faced another former undisputed 140 champion, Terence Crawford? Well, it's kind of like a duplicate of the Roberto Duran Sugar Ray Leonard fight, right? So uh, we'll see which one prevails. You know, if it's going to breed brain over brawn, you know, that's it's, it's pretty simple to diagnose that type of fight. So We'll see what happens. And then we move forward and fast forward uh, one week and we see Devin Haney overcome Jorge Linares. In, up until probably the eighth or ninth round, it was looking like a, a solid, comfortable night's work for Devin until he gets wobbled in those latter stages. What did you make of his fight? And obviously working with Devin, what was that like? Yeah, it's first time working with him. Uh, good kid. I mean, I've known him through the gyms and all that, but uh, uh, his father, father Bill called me like 10 days before the event and, uh, asked if I was available and and yeah sure I was and uh, so it was good working with him uh, keep your fight no doubt about it you know and I told his dad uh, you know one thing is is maybe work a little bit on his power you know maybe slow the punches down just a niche and you know sit down a little bit plant yourself a little bit more and and, and initiate some power shots uh, but no he did good you know I uh, it was it was fun working with him uh, you know I'll do it again People are extremely excited for that 135 division stitch. Does Devin possess the ability to be the, the main man, the ruler, the king of that weight? Well, I, I think, you know, these top guys all have that potential and it all depends on what kind of fight they're going to fight that night, you know, and Devin Haney, you know, against a, a, a tank, you know, once again, you're looking brain over brawn and speed over style over power, you know, so, you know, I, I, that's why I don't make predictions, Andy, because, I don't know, you know, it's nice to talk about it, but, but we don't know, you know, but there's some guys, uh, I just got a call to work with uh, uh, Rolando uh, Romero, uh, big, big heavy puncher here. Uh, they asked me yesterday, he's fighting, I think July the 17th. So first, before I accept it, I have to uh, check with top rank because I'm their house fighter and see how long uh, this program will work when they bring us in as cut men. So yeah, I, you know, that's a whole new crew, you know, uh, it's exciting, you know, the days of Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, you know, those lightweights during that time. And uh, so we'll see. Since you mentioned those types of names there and you fast forward to this generation of fighters, how would you say your own role in the sport has evolved and developed as the years have progressed? What's been the, the main changes with regards to what you have to do in the build up to a fight? And then, of course, on fight night. Well, nothing really kind of changes for me, Andy. You know, I, the system that I use is a system that I've had for many, many years. And, and percentage-wise, I think we talked about numbers before. Percentage-wise, the techniques that I use are the highest probable part 
of controlling the fight or swallowing. So there's no change for me. And it's not like I'm in the camp, you know, every day with these guys, uh, you know. So uh, I just show up and take care of them. You know, like I say, it could be you that's fighting and I'm going to treat you just like I did um, Josh Tate. You know, uh, you guys deserve that. And uh, I had this young guy in the gym the other day that uh, he's going to try to work towards the Olympics. Uh, but when he makes his pro debut, he asked how much I would charge uh, to work his fight, you know, and, and that's as a, as a pro debut. But I said, you know, I'm not going to charge you. You know, you, you're a four rounder. You know, you're not, not making a lot of money. You know, I'm not in it to take your money. I'm here so that you know the understanding of an importance of a good corner. And it's just education. That's what I want to do is continue giving education. Stitch, you worked during the top my time out there. You know, you were working with Josh. You was working with Devin, Bardu, Jack in Miami on uh, the Mayweather Paul undercard. All of them have achieved a lot during their careers. What sticks out for you when you work with high level athletes? What makes them so much more different to work with in comparison to a young up and comer who's just making his way through the sport? Well, personality wise, there's no difference. You know, you guys are gladiators and. And, and me working with them, you know, I, I come under different circumstances and you, let's say as a trainer, you know, uh, I come in, my jobs take care of you. So that personality doesn't change. But uh, what I see with these guys, the guys you're talking about is their discipline factor when it comes to uh, the fights and, and the training in the gym, you know, that's upscale and these young guys, uh, you know, there's no shortcuts in this game. And these young guys, if they can learn those, those type of strategies and just be disciplined and, and always, you know, train. If I'm going to treat you like a world champion and, and you're a four rounder, then you need to think like a world champion. Uh, so that when you get there, you know what to do. Kind of like me already knowing the techniques that I have through years. So. Stitch moving on to Miami, Body Jack had a comfortable stoppage victory in the end, but he was originally meant to face uh, John Pascal. He tested positive for four different, uh, performance enhancing drugs. I just want to get your thoughts on that first and foremost. You know, the issue of peds within boxing is certainly starting to gain. I don't know whether it's a lot more attention or if it's just becoming a bit more, just a bit more, just a lot more fires just maybe being caught out or just a situation which is just gaining more momentum in a negative manner. What's been your thoughts on? Peds in boxing and obviously in John, John Pascal's case? Yeah, uh, I've always been against it. Number one, I think you know, it's not fair, you know, to always try to get that unfair advantage. That's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. And, but that's why they have commissions. And now that's why they're doing uh, drug tests and, and all that. But yeah, Jean Pascal was, was very heartbreaking just to, uh, because Badu wanted that rematch. Uh, he thought he had won the first one and, and uh, he had changed his techniques. He brought in Jonathan Banks at, uh, trained Vladimir Klitschko and was a boxer himself and, and trained Triple G. And so his style has gotten better. Uh, and then to find out, you know, shortly before the fight, like a week, week and a half, that Jean Bacal tested positive four times. So credibility for him, I think, just goes out the window. Uh, you know, I, I don't like to bash people because I understand, uh, you know, but in this situation, you know, uh, yeah, it was an overkill and, uh, I, I don't know if they should take his license forever or what, you know, but I think reputation-wise, he's always going to have that in the back of his back. So. Stitch, and just moving forwards once again, um, 
Walder Fury 3 is on the cards now. It's obviously been announced. I just want to get your your kind of take on this entire situation, how it's unfolded from us potentially seeing uh, a Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua undisputed bout to all of a sudden uh, a Walder Fury 3 trilogy contest. What, what What's your take on how the events have unfolded? Man, you know, just like uh, uh, Teofimo Lopez testing positive and and Pascal testing positive. I always prefer for the worst case scenario. In fact, I was at the gym yesterday. And my saying is I never count my money to throw that first punch, right? And uh, so, but in this situation, uh, I, I think I think it works good for, for boxing. I think it works good for, you know, uh, ending any kind of suspicions that uh, that people have on, on Tyson Fury. Uh, and I, I actually, I'm looking forward to the third fight. I think energy-wise, it's going to be there. And then, of course, you know, you could always go and fight Anthony Joshua. Just the buildup is going to be that much better. So uh, I'm for it. You know, I, I think it's good for Tyson Fury showing tons of confidence. And, and uh, you know, I think he's going to continue doing that. And, you know, that's going to set him up at a different platform. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Since you work with Tyson, I know you've got a very good relationship with him. Just a few things I want to touch on from this recent media tour the pair of them are on. Firstly, are you surprised that Deontay has stuck to the accusations and the allegations he made against Tyson cheating and then obviously against Mark Breland and what have you uh, from that second fight? Are you surprised that he stuck at it and he hasn't maybe changed his opinion as time's progressed? Yeah, he probably took a page out of Donald Trump. You know, just some people just cannot accept defeat. And in this circumstance, you know, this is one of the examples. And, you know, the situation with the gloves, that's, to me, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I wrap hands. I put gloves on fighters. I understand what's going on. And everything that they said, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and uh, you know, for them to try to create something that he slipped his, 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 his hand out of the glove, why would you do that if the glove is there to protect your hand? Stitch, as somebody who does rap hands, as somebody who is very highly regarded in the sport, when you see or hear those types of accusations, does it annoy you or frustrate you that maybe it starts to discredit the work that you you or somebody else who's in a similar position to yourself does within the sport? Yeah, that's and that's the thing, you know. But let me add, Andy, that uh, I've mentioned this and and you know put put it in perspective of what combat sports is combat sports at the a level where we're at none of us have to be certified like they do for football soccer baseball none of us have to be certified to be considered professionals all you need is a license 50 50 bucks for a license put a towel over your shoulder you're a professional cut man you're a professional trainer and uh so yeah you know those moments like that with people that come up with accusations uh and it's happened to me you know wrapping hands you know, uh, when Joe Smith fought, uh, uh, not this last fight, fight before, I wrapped, I wrapped his hands and I'm using my Stitch Premium tape. That's available at Cutman for higher supplies, by the way. Uh, anyway, I finished wrapping one hand and the guy the, the guy from the other team is is always inspecting. And that's what happened with uh, Tyson Fury and Wilder. That's why it's stupid accusation. But as soon as I finished wrapping the first hand, he says, that tape is not legal. And I look at him and I said, what? I, you know, I always question people because I know the answers. And uh, he didn't have an answer. And even the commissions are laughing at him. And then at the end of the, uh, I finished wrapping both hands. 
he asked me for a role and I told him fuck off. <laughs> so, but anyway, that, that's my point, Andy, is that, you know, you get so many of these guys that want to uh, be considered valuable or knowledgeable and they come up with stupid stuff. You know, a lot of the inspectors, when I'm working the corner, they'll, they'll question me and I'll question them, you know, and, and they don't have an answer. Well, why? Well, that's what the book says. Well, I know, but tell me why the book says that. And they don't have an answer. So I, I put them in check, you know, and, and, and so there's people like that in our sport. I mean, I don't know if you have ever would have had any conversations with the Nevada Commission about it, but with obviously that second bout having taken place in Las Vegas, did they say anything to you guys, to the team, about what Deontay mentioned or what their take on the situation was? No, you know, and, and bless the Nevada State Athletic Commission, they're the best of the best. You know, you know keep in mind when, when uh, Anthony, uh, when Tyson Fury was getting his hands wrapped, they always send somebody from the other team to examine, to watch, and then we do the same. Well, it was uh, Deontay Wilder's manager. So he's watching the whole techniques and he's watching it from getting his hands wrapped. And there's an inspector there. And then there's also cameras there, you know? So, so they're watching that technique, they sign off, all right? Well, the same thing happens when you put the gloves on and the same guy was there, the manager, and he saw the techniques and they got signed off and that's it. Then you go and fight, so yeah. It's kind of crazy the way it goes. Stitch, to circle back to this current media tour, which is ongoing, just two things I want to get your thoughts on. Firstly, we saw around a, a six-minute head-to-head face-off between Tyson and Deontay yesterday. And during the press conference, Deontay wasn't very engaging with the media, with the questions. Just want to get your thoughts on both of, of those things. What do you make of it? Do you think Tyson's underneath Deontay's skin? Do you think Deontay's just trying something completely different to throw Tyson? What do you make of it all? Yeah, I I know about as much as you just told me right now, to be honest with you. You know, normally I don't follow these events and, you know, they're all the same to me. After a fight, the press conference, I go home because it's the same thing. I'm best shape of my life and whatever. And so I'm, I'm not big into that, right? And uh, But yeah, I just kind of scanned through my phone today where nobody said nothing. Right. And I didn't know it was a six minute stare off until you told me. But uh, that's part of the nature of the game. And it really don't mean anything uh, until you get out there, and put the gloves on and, and punch each other. We spoke about characters uh, earlier on, Stitch, and people you've worked with. Tyson Fury, I don't think you'll get a, a much kind of just varied and different type of character within boxing. What's he like to work with? Oh, man, you know what? He's a gem, bro. I'm telling you, I've worked with so many, so many guys. and. And he just, he's just a good man. And, and one of these things, you know, it, it was funny because this one guy, Anis Nasir, he's from India, right? And I don't know him, but he's one of my, my friends on, on Instagram or something. He asked if Tyson Fury could send him a, uh, a message. So uh, we're walking out of the gym and Tyson's in his vehicle. And, and I asked him and he sends out a, a message. You know, guys, this Tyson Fury and he's want to wish you the best and all that. And, and I told him, I said, you know, it, it doesn't mean a lot to anybody, but it meant everything to this guy. And, and uh, just giving him that moment uh, could have changed that guy's career on a positive side. But that's the way he is. You know, just a, a nice, nice, nice guy, man. The thing about it is he's 100% natural. You know, I, I'm not real big with kiss asses and, and, and guys that are fake. Uh, he's legit, man. And, and he knows his game. And he's quite intelligent. What's it like? But again, you mentioned Tyson's natural. He doesn't. 
he doesn't hide his true character. He is who he is, and he's proud of that, and he he doesn't shy away from that. What's he like working with somebody who's so open about his own personality, and he doesn't feel like he needs to to, to shy or hide away from it? Well, you know that's that's another thing. Like we spoke earlier, it's it's not about the uh, the event that's happening. It's about the character I work with. But you know him being, hey man, for us it's just shop talk. You know when we're in the gym, we're where they're just you know not taking life taking life serious, but but joking around as we go, and a lot of times that's the best remedy. But but I've always said that Tyson Fury, whether he's jumping rope, whether he's shadow boxing, whether he's working on the bag, whatever he's doing in training, I got to give him credit because he trains for three minutes at a time. There's that some guys will you know work the the, the pads or the bag for a minute and take a break, and he works. And he can, you know, he could be talking to us and all that, but he's still doing his thing. So just shows the confidence that he has, but but also the discipline. And those are the things that I look at, you know, when the little kinks in the armor, those are the things that I look at. What's going to be a strength for you? What's going to be a weakness? And and that's his strength is what he does. Stitch, just moving forward onto my final topic. Uh, YouTubers in boxing, TikTokers, whatever uh, you want to call it, we've seen a lot of crossover bouts. You've worked with them previously. I'm sure you probably get an opportunity to do so again in the future. Just your thoughts on how they've taken to the sport and their role in it now and how it's evolved from your times working with, with them as well? Yeah, it's uh, to me, they're fun. You know, in fact, they called me and, and asked me to work the TikTok show, but I was already booked, so I couldn't do it. But uh, that seems to be the new generation of, of marketing right now is to take advantage of the social media. And and to me, it, on a marketing aspect, makes a whole lot of sense. It's, it's done multiple things. Uh, you know, Jake Paul, number one, is, is bashing Dana White about uh, uh, giving the fighters more pay. They're not getting paid anything, you know. So through his uh, mission, He's making a statement that a lot of us have always been trying to do and, and bypass, but uh, even just getting new followers to watch uh, not only the social media guys, but uh, to understand what these boxers go through. I, I think it's it's a win-win situation, and uh, I enjoy doing them. And actually, I was just seeing, did Anson Gill just, uh, uh, just fight and win? So he, he fought, and it was announced as a draw, but since then, his management's chased it up and have had the revert, the decision changed to an Anison Gibb win. Obviously, you worked with Anison previously. Yeah, good for him, man. And, you know, the thing about him, like I said, I worked with both KSI and Anson, and and when I saw I had to walk into the when I walked into the gym, he didn't even know who I was. So I'm thinking, oh, shit, you know, this is a little bit different. You know, not doesn't look like an athlete, right? But... I got to give him a whole lot of credit and a whole lot of respect is that he worked, he worked, he got beat in the gym. Uh, he beat guys in the gym. He worked, he worked, he did everything that a fighter's supposed to do uh, and get ready for a fight. So, you know, I think he was a little bit overcome that first fight, uh, you know, when he, we fought Jake Paul, but I think now he understands that uh, he could do good. And he has that Mike Tyson type of fight. But I saw a quick picture of him, and he looked a lot thinner, uh, looked a lo lot more in condition. So uh, bless his heart. So if you do get him on, I'll tell him I wish him my best. I will do, Stitch. Um, just on that front, though, with Gib, with KSI, having worked with them, what's it like working with people who are not considered boxers, effectively, who are just coming into the sport for entertainment purposes? What, what, are, what are they like as people with regards to how they take to the sport? 
Well, you know, I've done it many, many times before that in, in the movies, you know, working with Antonio Banderas and Woody Harrelson and uh, working with Kevin James and Here Comes the Boom and, you know, with, uh, you know, Creed 1 and Creed 2, Michael B. Jordan. So I've, I've seen these guys make that transition of going from actors into what I consider them fighters. And uh, like I mentioned to Michael B. Jordan uh, in the first uh, movie, about the fifth week uh, that I, you know, I want to crown him as, I want to I knight him as a fighter because everything that he did, he represented our sport at the highest level, but technique wise, he turned out to be a fighter. So I've seen that and it was good to get the social media guys in that, uh, you know, come in under the same thing. If you have the right mind to do what you want to do, keep in mind, it's a hurt business. What these guys are doing, they're walking into our world and, and the ultimate goal of a fighter is to render his opponent unconscious. That's a knockout is the best way to win. And so you come in under those terms and for them to do that, like Anson uh, on the first fight, a whole lot of credit because, you know, he just wasn't that guy that, that, that grew up doing this type of stuff, you know, but, but he adjusted himself mentally and physically. So uh, yeah, to me, it's, 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 it's a blast working with these guys and, you know, they're all shocked and surprised that I'm wrapping their hands and, you know, and all that. So it's, it's always good to get back. And then just a final thing, um, just with regards to Jake Paul, he's obviously facing Tyron Woodley soon, a UFC star, well, a former UFC star. Just your thoughts on the, the fact we are seeing more UFC fighters moving into boxing, whether it be an exhibition bout or not. And Jake Paul's comments about the disparity in pay between boxing and UFC. As somebody who's worked in the UFC previously, what do you make of it? I think it's the truth. <laughs> it's the whole truth. You know, I, uh, I've always said that it's a shame that the ring girls get paid more than the cut men, right? So come fight night, who do you want? You know, a cut man or a ring girl. And uh, so Jake Paul is, is, is carrying the torch for uh, everybody in, in combat sports, everybody in all sports, you know? So uh, he's doing the right thing and, you know, bless his heart. You know, he's, 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 a, he's an athlete and, and he's a good athlete. And, uh, you know, how's he gonna do with Tyrone uh, Woodley? Woodley's an athlete. He's a very good athlete, you know. So uh, we'll see. That should be that should be a fun, fun fight, and that one's a pick'em fight. Right, Stitch. We will leave that there now, and I'll leave you to enjoy it the rest of your day. I appreciate your time as always. It's a pleasure to catch up with you. Hopefully, I will see you soon at a fight, and we can catch up in person once again. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. It's always a pleasure, Andy. We'll do it again. Thanks, huh? <laughs> Frank, how are we? I'm fine, young man. How are you doing? All good, thank you, Frank. Um, we've got the return of Joe Joyce. You must be excited to see him back. I am. It's been a long time, which seems like it's been a long time. Um, he's back in the ring on the 24th of July, and we've got him in, a I think, a real good quality fight against Takam. It's a good fight for him. Talk to us a little bit about Carlos Takam, the opponent selection, and what you make of him. Well, he's a tough guy. They know him in this country. He can punch. Um, and I think he'll get the best out of Joe. He's not coming to sit on the floor. He knows himself. If he beats Joe, he'll take over his position in the WBO. So he's got nothing to lose. It's going to, you know, the boot's going to be on the other foot. I mean, Joe goes into some fights as an underdog. He's going into this one where everybody's going to make him a big favourite. Obviously, we've got Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury rated number one and two at the moment with obviously Deontay Wilder and Usyk in the mix. 
Joe Joyce would probably see himself as number three after the victory of Daniel, uh, over Daniel Dubois. Where do you rate him in terms of that mix? He's in the top five, no doubt about that. He's in the top five. He's in that position. I mean, look at all the belts that he won. Yeah. You know, he, he won a lot of those belts that were held by Daniels. He got the European, Commonwealth, British, um, various other intercontinental belts and silver belts. He holds all of those. He's, he's in the top five. If Joe Joyce was to fight Anthony Joshua tomorrow, how would you think it would go? I fancy him, but I said that I said the same thing if, if Anthony Joshua was going to fight um, Daniel Dubois. I just fancy I fancy both of them had to beat him. I certainly I, I think Joe is big, he's strong, he's got a good jab, he's been there, he's very hard to beat, he takes a shot, and he can whack. And, I, and as we've seen in AJ's last few fights, he got beat by Ruiz, but if he gets clipped, he's wobbled. And he's he's good. Talk to me a little bit more about Joe Joyce's weapons. Obviously, he's got a fantastic jab, but there's a lot more to Joe Joyce than just his jabs. Yeah, well, a jab's the most important punch. A jab is the punch that settles, you settles yourself down. You line up shots when you throw a jab. You relax when you're throwing a good jab. And everything, as I always say, comes off the jab. And he's got that. He's got, he's strong. He's got a very good chin. I mean, he takes a good shot. But what, I've, what, is, what happened in the Daniels fight against Daniel Dubois and looking at him today is the weight that he's shifted. He looks in good shape now. You know, you look at some of the fights, he's, you know, he's looked a bit like he's carrying a bit of timber on him, but he's got rid of that. So I'm looking forward to see, you have a big comparison when you see him get in the ring with Takam, because you've seen the type of guys Takam's been in with and fought. So we're going to have a, a it's going to be a sort of good yardstick to see, you know, how, what, how much he's come on. Because really, as a pro, what is it? As you're saying, there's 12 fights he's had. That's, that's no number of fights, is it? You're talking about fighting for world titles after 12 fights. I can't think of too many guys who've done that. July 24th is going to be some night. We've obviously got Joe Joyce and Carlos Takam, and then we've got the big one with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Did you watch what happened last night? Yeah, yeah, the old uh, the stare-off. What do you make of it? Five five minutes, 46 seconds. That was quite that a lot. Is what it was? I, I sort of lost the will to live after a while watching it. No, it was what it was. You know, Wilder's, you know, the, the two previous fights, Wilder never won anything re, with, with those, you know, against, against, um, against Tyson. Every time Tyson kept doing him verbally, got in his head, as he said, he was living rent free in his head, he got into it. And I think he just thought, if I don't say nothing, then he's not going to be able to jump on, jump on it and twist it and turn it to his advantage. And that's what he did. Now, that's all great. And we're going to see plenty of stuff coming up. Is he going to, is he going to maintain that in the press conferences and fight weeks leading into the fight? I've got no idea. It doesn't matter because on the night, all that matters is what he can bring to the ring. And can he change his style? Can he do anything different? Is he capable at his age of, of fighting differently than he has done for his whole career? Can Malik Scott change his style? That's going, to be, that's going to be, for him, the acid test. Do you, do you think that Deontay Wilder putting his headphones on was a little bit of their team Wilder trying to take Tyson Fury's edge off? Like, as in, as Tyson Fury no, feeds think, off it? I think if you've got the headphones on, you, whatever he was listening to, he's not listening to Tyson. So Tyson's, in his mind, probably not getting into his mind. You know, he was just somewhere else. I could stare and stare and do all that stuff. But, you know... I don't read anything into any of that. That means absolutely nothing. What matters is on the night. On the night is what counts. What can he bring? What, is it, what can he add to his armour? He's a tremendous puncher. Hardest punch in heavyweight in the last 30, 40 years. And statistically, I think 
the hardest punching heavyweight ever, statistically. Um, can he land a bomb on Tyson? Well, he's done it twice. He did it in the first fight, but Tyson down twice, and certainly in the last round. I personally thought it was all over, and Tyson got up. Not only did he get up, he took the fight to him and was winning the fight at the end of the round. And he got robbed. Decision was a bad decision, in my opinion. Second fight, the 13th round. The first round was like the 13th of the last round. Tyson just jumps on him and done a job on him. So you look at look at the various, you look at what the, what their attributes are. You know, has he got a better jab? Has Wilder got a better jab than Tyson? No. Has he got a better chin than Tyson? No. Tyson took his shots. He couldn't take Tyson's, as it was seen in the second fight. Does he move better than Tyson? Has he got a better boxing brain than Tyson? No. Can he punch harder than Tyson? He, maybe he can. Maybe he's a bigger puncher than Tyson. But Tyson took his shots, as I said and he couldn't take Tyson shots. And Tyson last night, obviously, he actually looked in great shape with his top off already. He says he's going to come in at 300 pounds. Is that a mind game or is he, do you genuinely believe he's going to come in that heavy? I don't think they're coming that heavy. I think, he, I think they're coming as lightly in the weight as he did last time. Um, it, you know, whatever weight he comes in at, he's no fool, he's no slouch Tyson. He's not going to be complacent. He, he's got a very good boxing brain. He knows what he's going to do to win. He worked out Wilder in the first fight. And as I say, in my opinion, got robbed in the second fight. He showed how much he worked him out and done a job of him. And finally, Frank, obviously, we've got a massive night starting with Joe Joyce and Carlos Tacham. Can you set, set the night up for us? Set the night up starting with Joe Joyce and then going to Tyson Fury. It's a heavy night. It's a heavy, heavy night. We, I think we're going to see Joe Joyce make a statement. And I think Tyson Fury, as we move over to the other side of the pond, I think Tyson Fury... He's going to do exactly the same thing. I believe he will stop Wilder again. I think he's just, I think he's got too much for him in every department. Is he going to stop him quicker than last time? Well, I mean, I don't think it's a race, but I think he'll, he'll get the openings, and once he gets the openings, I think he'll take him out. He, you know, he's got his number. It happens with people. It happens with some fighters. You know, some fighters never have to beat him in another fighter. Wilder's a very, very dangerous and a good fighter, but I don't think he's as, he's, as good or as dangerous as Tyson's going to be for him. Sounds like we've got a great night of British boxing. It is. Frank. I mean, look, again, it's Brits, isn't it? It's, it's out. I mean, you know, we're doing so really well over here. The four belts are in Britain. You've got the best youngsters coming through, all the all novices coming through in Joe's case. It's, you know, it's great. It's, just, it's never been like this. It's like buses coming along. Roll on July 24th. Frank. Roll on, and I'm really looking forward to it because I think we're going to have a really electric night. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. With me is Dean White in his motor. He's back on IFL TV. What's going on, Dean? How you been? Come on. All good, you know. Back in the UK, um, I came back, it was sunny. Now it's really, really raining. But this is part of being a man from the UK. You know, you, you enjoy kind of both sides of the coin. I'm not going to lie, I've missed a bit of rain. I didn't have any rain on my, my five weeks of trekking around the globe, enjoying myself. And sunny climates and uh yeah so i'm back here it's all good just grafting man just ticking away man as ever man um you know in this hard boxing scene with all this covid not so lucky 
as some, but yeah, you know what? Nevertheless, I still have a position and I continue to work. All good. Well, yeah, you were in the States uh, on your travels for a, a massive fight, uh, one of the biggest of the year with Josh Taylor obviously getting a brilliant win. Now, we've heard rumours that potentially Dylan uh, could box in the States uh, in his next mm -hmm. fight. Has there been any movement, any updates with uh, your brother? No, 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 no. Literally just came off the phone to him. Um, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Um, he's trading, he's ticking over, he's going to keep himself, you know, you know, like a purring machine, just ticking over, waiting for that phone call to come through. <laughs> you know, Red October, we got to go. You know what I'm saying? So I think um, he's, he's cool, he's in a nice place, you know what I mean? He's a nice space. I think he's, you know, he's trying to keep himself trim and ever ready. And, and you know, when you get to this elite level, you, you, you've got to be virtually nearly ready all of the time. Obviously, you get your actual full camp time, but you know, he's just purring along and he's in a good place. He's happy. Um, over the next few weeks, I'm sure. I know a little bit of first. Bro, I don't know why you didn't listen to the message, bro. Why didn't you listen to the message, man? Hello? Bro, I'm doing something. Listen to the message on your phone. Hello? You hear me? Yeah, I've got you. I've got you. What was that? Yeah, the, the the volume doesn't sound good though. Yeah, the volume, the volume. No, we're good. We're... On my side, it's quiet. Oh, was it? We was fine there, you know. Oh. Yeah, I know. But this is what happens when people don't listen and they continue to call. But anyway, yeah. Sorry, where was we? So yeah, he just. I think you know it was it was meant to fight in end of July in America, but now it's been pushed back. A lot of things have been pushed back. So. We've got to look, maybe it might be August, maybe it might be September, but I don't know. I'm sure there'll be an announcement soon. As Eddie announced with his own the other day, they've got fight camp throughout August and so on. So I'm sure we'll get some information shortly. Do you think it's time for him to go and headline in the States? Yeah, of course. You know what? If you want to be commercially viable and valuable, as he is in the UK, uh, you've got to go across the pond and start, you know, uh, spreading your wings and... Uh, you know, you know, opening up. People do know about Dylan. Obviously, I travel to the States a lot anyway, so a lot of people know about me anyway uh, there. So it's kind of like, you know, especially media-wise, I'm in with a lot of the guys out there, big up those guys out there, you know what I mean? So, um, but they do know, they do know Dylan. A lot of people do like Dylan, you know what I mean? Because, you know, he's a, he's a, he's, he's similar, similar to them, brash-talking, confident, you know, potty-mouth, whatever you want to call it, you know what I mean? Um and similar to some of the Americans, so they, they see the traits in that, you know what I mean? And they say, yeah, man, that guy's a hell of a fighter, man. Yeah, I like that dude. That's their favorite line. Yeah, man, I like that dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it's all good, man. It's all good. Hopefully, yeah, I think that should be the next step. I feel like he deserves his shot at a world title. Uh, so obviously it's about them being smart and picking, you know, the right opponent so he continues to progress and be active and still... He'd be, be in the playing field to, you know, get his world, a long-awaited world title shot. Well, his name has definitely been mentioned in the States by a certain heavyweight. Of course, uh, Wilder Fury 3, the trilogy, is on. And Deontay made a lot of comments about Dylan, so I don't want to misquote him. I've got it here. He said to Sky Sports that Dylan White could have got this work. He ain't nothing but shit to my toilet paper that I flushed a year ago. Where do you think he's going with these comments and what's he referring to? Here? I don't know, man. Listen, I think his business is showtime. He's trying to, you know, uh, 
resurrect his career. So he's come back with his smack talking. He didn't have a lot to say in the press conference the other day with Tyson Fury, but it's kind of weird after the press conference, he had a hell of a lot of stuff to say. Look, as a boxing fan, I'm delighted to see Deontay Wilder back because it brings for great fights for the other guys. I didn't want him to come back in the, the replacement of Fury and Joshua, Joshua and Fury, whichever you, way you have it. Um, I definitely didn't want him coming back in replacement of that. But I, like I said before, I think even with yourself interviewed, that I would have liked him to, you know, come back because, you know, there's major fights out there for all the boys. And at one time he was the, the destructive, ever destructive bronze bomber and no one wanted to fight him. You know what I mean? I know Dillian's called him out for many years and so on. Um, and actually Eddie Hearn and them offered him $7 million, I recall, which would have been his biggest purse to date at that time. So it's just one of them. You know, as a fan, it's good to see him back. He does chat a lot of shit. He chats a lot of BS, um, but that's I guess I guess they all do because even Tyson Fury chats a lot of shit. Did you see he contradicted himself the other day in a matter of like three or four days? He said um, um, Usyk's too skillful. He's going to outbox Joshua, and 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 he beat Derek Chisora. And then four days later, he said, oh, Derek, I had Derek Chisora winning that fight." And Joshua's going to be too big and too strong for him. He's going to walk through him like a steam train. So you know, boxers they tend to, you know, sometimes forget what they say and then sometimes contradict themselves and say things. But look, it is what it is. He's talking that shit about, uh, we saw him in America, or Dylan saw him in America and didn't say nothing. We saw him, we saw him, he saw us, and we was there. Man was ready for any kind of smoke. Man not playing none of that games, none at all. You know what I'm saying? But it's all good, respect to him. Like, he he kept it moving. Remember, we have came into Las Vegas, the Pacquiao and Broner fight. We're in like a VIP section. He looked at us. He kind of shuffled and kept it moving. I remember it quite clearly because I seen him and I was like, oh, hope this guy don't try that. I'm going to have to snuff this guy. Get me? And uh, we was there. We was, you know, we're not going to be disrespectful. We're not going to start. You know, sometimes it's talk, you know, sometimes until it ignites and then it's it's just what it is. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, like when he came here, I con I've con I confronted him. Um, I we went to America. He should have confronted us in his own backyard and said, hey, what was all that talk about? And then we didn't understood where it was. When he came to Brixton, I confronted him as a man and we respectfully, we spoke and it was cool. I respect what he's done in the sport of boxing. Um, I'm not saying uh, he, he, I, he, I can fight him in the ring, bronze bomb, he's done at 43 fights. But, you know, when we're fighting, man, if you can fight, and uh, I've, I've been around the sport and I've done many other, you know, fighting disciplines on a street fight, I'm not sure it would, it would work out the same way. But, you know, street fights, ring fights are totally different. But, I mean, look, he didn't say anything history Dylan's duty to come and confront him and say something it's kind of a bit of a mad one but it is what it is look nothing happened anyway we saw us we saw him we kind of was looking at him to see what was going on but he didn't kind of engage in any eye contact whatsoever he kept it moving with he was with one of his little cronies excuse me and there was a few of us and he kept it moving and I said oh, well I guess there's nothing more to that story and then and it went on but look these guys, you know what I mean? They're all going to talk. Dylan's going to cuss him and so on. They're all going to have a bit of banter, tongue-in-cheek, whatever it have you. And they'll say things, put each other down. You know, deep down, they respect each other as boxing men and, you know, uh, elite sportsmen in the game after they fought blood, sweat and tears. You know, they must respect each other because of what they've gone through with each other. You know what I mean? So in time, we'll see. Look, I'm sure a lot of fans want to see... Um, Dillian and him down the line, but you know we, we got to see what happens. Look, there's some big fights there. AJ's still got to get past Usyk, um, and Deontay Wilder has to get past Fury, which is 
uh, no mean task. But look, he's got a new trainer, Malik Scott, which I know very, very well. He was a very, very good boxer. He's very technical. He's very skillful. And I understand when, when he was saying to um, Fury at the press conference, you know, if he can even give him a snippet of his skills, then he'll be a lot better on the night. And I could, I could, I could agree. I could, I could agree. I can understand the concept of where he's going with that. But is the time frame enough? Is there enough, uh, is there enough time frame for him to hone and take in those silky skills of Mali Scott watches training him in such a compact, small space of time where Fury has been boxing since he was five and has had a lifetime of honing his skills. Um, Fury said he had, I remember what he said, he had two months, eight weeks for that fight. Now he said he's had 18 months with his coach and so on. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think, I've got a feeling Jonte Wilder's going to, it's going to come out hard and furious in the first few rounds and we can see a good shootout. That'd be great if, if it's a shootout, especially from round one to four, you know, people throwing dandemite and someone goes kippers and chips. <laughs> kippers. <laughs> You're going to try and get out for that one? Uh, it's a bit too close, you know. It's a bit too close. And I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed my travel. I enjoyed my time abroad. I enjoyed networking with the people I met. Um, but I, I definitely don't plan on going anywhere and sitting down for another 15, 16 days to get into America. If the doors open up, that's another thing. That's another possibility. Um, but let's see what America says. You know, we've been banned for quite a, a long time. We've been banned from March 2020. Really, England should have given them the same treatment and banned the Americans coming in because it's not fair that they can just come here as and choose they, as they want. All they need is a PCR test, but then we can't go directly to them. And they've got even higher cases than us. It doesn't even make sense. Not, none of it makes sense anyway, to be honest with you. But hey, um, I would love to go. But is any of you guys going from um, Andy's probably going to go, any? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and get at least one person out there, if not two. But I was just saying because it's a shame we couldn't have you and Deontay in the same room. Yeah, yeah, no, it'd be interesting. I'd, 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 do you know what it is? It, it it'd be a side it would be a side track for him. It would be lack of focus. He's got a big fight. You know what I mean? Respectfully to him, he should want to concentrate. I don't know. You know what I mean? But I don't know. It'd be interesting. Like I said, I've seen him. I think I saw him then. I've seen him when he came here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guess that there'd be anything, you know, crazy untowards talking going on, to be honest. But you, you can never know. You could never know. But um, I wish him luck. You know, look, you know, it's going to be a great fight. I definitely will watch it. I probably won't stay up to watch it, depending if I go out. But um, it's going to be a great fight. Yeah, no, I just, there's obviously, as you said, a lot of back and forth between fighters. I mean, that's just what happens. But just seems, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it just seems with Deontay and Dylan, it just seems a little bit more personal and volatile. Do you get that feeling as well? Um, do you know what? It's one of them things, but <laughs> you know, Dylan's just a bad man anyway. Dylan's got, Dylan's got like the little beef with Andy Ruiz Jr. Dylan's got the little beef, you know, like, you know, he wants to fight. I guess sometimes, you know, it makes for, it makes for good build up anticipation of a fight when there's needle. You know, when it's too clean, cut and dry, it's um, somewhat dulling. I know some people say there doesn't have to be disrespect for you to enjoy the fight. But when you're a pay-per-view fighter, sometimes there needs to be a bit of needle in there and, and a little bit of pizzazz and then people want to tune in and watch the fight. I don't know. But those those guys, I'm not going to lie, there does seem to be no love lost there. 
and they continue to battle it out many years down the line. And um, yeah, it's interesting. Let's see what happens, man, because to be honest, I was expecting the AJ and Fury fight to happen and them to have two fights, even possibly a trilogy. And then that would have left the door open for Dillian and Wilder to fight you know, um, a couple of times, possibly also, um, which would have been good for those boys financially as well. And to set the record straight and, and end the grudge once and for all, you know? But that didn't happen. So now Dillian needs to look for another dancing partner. And um, we await and see uh, what exactly that entails in the next few weeks. Andy Ruiz would be a fun fight. Yeah, of course, of, of course it's, it's, it's a fight. They've, 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 I think they've offered him money as well. I think they offered him 4.5 million at the time and I think he, he turned that down. So at this junction, I don't think I don't know if that's a fight they'd look at now because they're probably upset, you know, like that. I think he was the same. When Wilder lost, I think it was one of them things. He was saying he'd fight Dillian then, and then Dillian was like, well, you know, if you fought me, you'd have to be the, the B-side and you'd have to play to our tune, which he was never going to. And that'd be the same with Andy Ruiz. But Andy Ruiz is a former, um, was it Unified World Champion or something like that? So he yeah. probably think he's the A-side and wouldn't want to dance to the tune. So then again, it becomes another problem because when you're when you're at that elite level, it becomes little intricate things like that. Who who walks first? You know, ring walks, who walks, you know, little things. These are what scupper deals at the at the tail end of you know this level of negotiations and certain things. Um, and then he might think he wants more money and so on. And now that they've got a lot of needle, because obviously Dylan got knocked out by a Povetkin at that time, he said a lot of shit. And then when he lost, Dylan said a lot of shit. So there's like, mm, do I need that guy? If that guy, man. you know that kind of attitude, and then it's only when it's like who needs him and then when they go around and then there's no other dancing partners they come back and look at each other in the eye and say you know what bust down my smoke your ass you know that and now the rivalry starts again but at this junction now i can't i don't know i'm not saying that, but I, this is just looking and you know talking to dylan uh and and other guys and seeing so there's a few names they've tossed around already and he wasn't one of them i know now he's starting to mention the name because obviously he's looking for dancing partners um, he had a very, very dissatisfying win against Ariola. He came away with no credit. Ariola stock has risen, you know, dropped him, buckled him a few times, and he came away. He he came out of that fight with, you know, with a lot, a lot of his stock was is is, is way up the ladder. So it's kind of interesting because you know you know what happens. Obviously, when you're in heavyweight and you try to lose all this weight, your punch resistance probably starts to wand, you know, if you start messing around, um, losing too much weight. And that's that looks like what it was. I think he probably tried to lose too much weight, came down. But Ariola's been a puncher. Ariola's always been a puncher and been dangerous. And they always say that the, the last thing to go is the power. So, I mean, it was a great fight, man. But, you know, I don't think Andy Stock had risen from that fight. If anything, he seemed a little bit vulnerable. Maybe he might put on a bit more weight and then we'll see where he is in the middle. Maybe he wants to sit in the middle somewhere in where his weight is. He's always, he, he always boxed better when he was uh, more rounder, more more plump. <laughs> Sorry, no shade, my guy. Sorry, Andy. Big fan of yours. Good business. <laughs> okay, Dean White, I appreciate your time today. I know you've got a couple of Thanks other things much. to do, so I do appreciate your time. And we'll speak soon, all right? Take care. No doubt, man. Take care, buddy.